Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Uh, this could be our best show in the history of Don't At Me. Sage Steele lashes, I mean lashes out on Bill Maher against the hypocrisy of liberals. Tommy Waddle joins us. Bears tonight. Eberflus fired. Pete Alonzo coming to the Cubs. My head just exploded. And Bobby Barak has been all over the media. Yes, he has. He has been crushing the souls of the racist media. We got all that and more as Don't At Me starts right now. Hey, don't at me. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Hope you join the YouTube chat. It will be a blast. Sage Steele was not holding back. See, she left ESPN and as myself, Charlie, Sage, all of us that said, hey, up yours, ESPN. Free at last. Free at last. Good God almighty. I am free at last. No Norby Williamson calling you to say, what did you tweet as a white man? White man bad. Sage Steele was on with Bill Maher. I'm not the biggest Bill Maher fan. I know that a lot of people think that he's coming into the center. I know people like that. But I listened to him with Joe Rogan, and I'm not that big a fan. I'm fine. It's good. It's okay. But here is Sage talking to Maher. So stupid. that For the people to say <laughs> that, that it's, a, it's racist to have people to show a freaking ID to vote, what, because, I agree. Be, because we're not, as black I, people, we're I not agree. smart enough to it's remember a, our driver's license. It's so funny when the woke do these things that they think are so not racist that are then... It's really, actually racist. So, yeah, same thing with the... They constantly conf conflate, like, black people committing violence with police being bad to black people. Like, let, let's pull the police out. Well, that hurts the people, you know... The, the people who need help the yeah, most. Yes, who... Well, I mean, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and Sage is absolutely right. I wish Mar would shut up while Sage was talking. Look, if you ever watch our show or listen to our show on the radio, one thing I do when I get a guest on is I shut up. You ask the question, you have the guest on. I'll do it today with Bobby Barack, and I'll do it today with Tom Waddle. But you just shut the living hell up and let the guest talk. We know your stance, Mar, and I like your stance. I ain't mad at it, and oh, by the way, if we can put that side by side up, you've got a true beauty in the beast. Bill Maher is so white, he's clear. And as we all know, and Sage Steele said it famously, Double D likes the mocha. Anyway, she's absolutely right. It's absurd that we don't have driver's license or some, I don't know, state-issued ID. I don't know. And that's because black people can't go get a driver's license. Everybody can get a driver's license. Illegal immigrants pouring over the border can now access driver's license. What are we talking about here? It is the most absurd thing, and I'm glad they addressed it. Speaking of absurd, you know, Bob Iger, who is the chairman, the HMFIC, I'll let you figure that out, of Disney, said that ESPN was going to slow it down with the wokeness, slow it down with the race, slow it down 
with the political talk. That's what he said. Now, oh, I don't know, secretly, ESPN has been developing a show called Skin in the Game. It's a look at race in every one of pro sports with a guy named X Ibrahim, Ibrahim X Kendi, uh, who is a thief, convicted, a racist, absurd, and he's leading the conversation with luminaries such as Jamel Hill. I hope this. I hope that at some point, I understand white guy bad. We all understand white guy bad. In fact, yesterday, uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, was on with our guy Stephen A. Smith. They didn't even ask him about Trevor Bauer. They just asked him how to get more black players into Major League Baseball. Hey, how about this? Practice. Love baseball. I mean, what are we supposed to do? Tell some kid that throws 107? I mean, this ain't broadcasting. This isn't coaching. We don't tell people you can't do it because we got to have an African-American do it. No. Baseball and sports are performance-based jobs. You throw 107 with some movement, you're going to play in the bigs. Yeah, it's amazing to me. we got to get more black players. Why? Why? How about we get the best players? How about that? But anyway, I digress. So now ESPN is going with this show that is going to look at and discuss, I'm sure without bias, race in sports. I wish they would do this. I understand it's not going to happen, but I wish they would address the use of white boy by African-American coaches and players and staff members in sports. It's incredibly racist, the demeaning way. Remember in the show Winning Time, what did we learn? We learned Jerry Buss was a whack job and was married to two women at the same time. We, we learned that Jerry West was insanely competitive, and I dug Jerry West even more. But what else did we learn? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a flaming racist. I take it out on white boys. Yeah, you're a racist. You ain't that deep, Kareem. You're not. I know you act deep. I know you read books. You actually read books. I've read your autobiography and other around you. I say you're the best basketball player along with Jordan that I ever saw. But I got to tell you, you're a flaming freaking racist. You can take that Islam stuff and Islam and niceness and, and all the stuff that comes with all of that kindness and throw it out the window when it comes to whitey. Yeah, I'm just saying We've all had problems with people in our lives. We've all had problems with folks of our same race and other races, but it doesn't lead to the hate. I can't take it out on white boys. Hey, shut up with the white boy stuff. And then I'll take you seriously about race, ESPN, and others. You imagine? I don't even want to get into it. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, I guess he's interesting. You know, he's third here on the rundown, and when you talk about Marshawn Lynch, it drives numbers. Marshawn Lynch apparently can't figure out how not to drink and drive. He gets in wrecks, and we're supposed to take him seriously because he gives you street cred if you like Marshawn Lynch. You're talking to a CWB, a cool, to use uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's phrase, white boy. I don't need street cred. I am street cred. If I give you cred, that means you got cred. So I don't need to kiss the ass of criminals. And make no mistake, Marshawn Lynch is a criminal. He said, well... Uh, I didn't F with Pete Carroll, and that Russell Wilson was just another quarterback. I wouldn't be the right person to speak on a relationship because I didn't F with Pete Carroll. All right. And then I mean Russ was just a quarterback for me. I don't have his number. Well, good, because Russell Wilson is not a criminal. I mean, we glorify criminals. This dude's a criminal. Wrecks cars, hits people. I mean, insanely, this guy. 
Skittles or whatever the hell he thinks he is. But white media can't, oh man, he gives you street cred if you say you like him. I don't need street cred. I'm the baddest of the bad. Uh, This makes me puke. This is Indiana basketball at the major league level. Indiana basketball celebrates a win over Chicago State. Indiana basketball gets a recruit and we think he's the greatest ever. I don't. They do it. And there's been one, one Sweet 16, or excuse me, Elite 8 since 2000. One since 93. That's it. But every recruit is great. Now, Indiana basketball, if you get to a Sweet 16, I think they would coordinate Mike Woodson as king of the world. But anyway, here is what Jerry Depoto, who is the general manager of the Seattle Mariners, said about trying to win a Super Bowl. This has Indiana basketball, actually Purdue as a university, written all over it. Give me a listen here. If what you're doing is focusing year to year on what do we have to do to win the World Series this year, you might be one of the teams that's laying in the mud and can't get up for another decade. So we're actually doing the fan base a favor (laughs) and asking for their patience to win the World Series while we continue to build a sustainably good roster. Yeah, I get it, but Jerry Depoto just looks like a douchebag. I'm sorry he does. I, I, yes, and we're assist- I'm the smartest guy in the room. Jerry Depoto, good for you, man. Now, that may be the way you think, but there isn't a fan base in America that wants to hear that stupid stuff. And you just look like a bag. Look at him. I mean, if it looks like a bag, it walks like a bag, it talks like a bag, it's a bag. And I'm just telling you, this guy, yes, that's what we want because I'm smarter than you. Yeah, you go, man. Yeah, you go get it done, son. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, hell, uh, you've done a great job. You've done an absolutely great job. Now, DePoto may be saying, I work for cheap owners. I don't know. Maybe that's what he says. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But I got to tell you, Jerry DePoto, Jerry DePoto is an analytics guy. Let's read about Jerry DePoto, shall we? we? I actually thought that Jerry DePoto was a pitcher, a pitcher of some note back in the day. But when I looked at him, I thought to myself, this guy ain't no pitcher. This guy's got to be an analytics guy. Got to be. He was a pitcher. All right. He worked in the front office. Good for him. All right. Yeah, I knew he was. I thought he was a pitcher. Yeah, I can't pay attention to him. I'm sorry. I can't pay attention to him. Ah, get out of my face. Get out of my face. Now, He's a tough guy, thyroid cancer survivor, good for him. But I see that, and I just want to puke as a fan. Uh, Here's what I don't want to puke about, and I'm very excited about, ladies and gentlemen, my Cubs. I'm wearing black because of the Cubs. Look, back 100 years ago, Dave Kingman was hitting home runs for the New York Mets. And everybody in Wrigley said, man, if we could get Kingman to come here, he would hit 100 home runs in a year. Kingman came. He hit one ball they still talk about. Outlet, it was a different Wrigley then. He hit it over the fence, down the street, still going. I think it ended up in Evanston. And if you check my geography, that's actually possible. But Kingman never led the Cubs to anything. But I got to tell you, when he came up, about a 240 hitter, which would make him an all-star in this day. He was an all-star then. Hit about 40 bombs, driving about 60 runs. That's who Kingman was. But it was fun. The next Kingman, Pete Alonzo. Now, Pete Alonzo seems like a great guy. Pete Alonzo plays for the New York Mets. Pete Alonzo hits a bunch of home runs. Pete Alonzo is a feast or famine, perfect guy for current Major League Baseball. I'm going to hit a home run. I'm going to strike out. We'll figure it out later. That's about it. 
there is talk that Pete Alonso may be coming to the Cubs. Now, I got to tell you, when Jesse Rogers, who is a man that I truly respect with ESPN Chicago, I think it is a chance, and I want good players. I don't care if Pete Alonso strikes out more than me when I was divorced going to a singles bar. See what I did there? I didn't strike out much. He does. Anyway, I didn't even try much. People came to me. It was weird. Anyway, uh, that's Pete Alonso. Today on Cap and Jesse Rogers of ESPN, on my friend David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood, said he believes the Cubs will be looking at big trades this offseason, which could mean an extension for Alonzo. There you go. All right. I want Pete Alonzo. I want anybody that can hit. I want Cody Bellinger back. Uh, yeah. What is this? That is some hate right there because I've got some Mets fans in Nick. How it started and how it ended. Dylan is a Braves fan, so he's sticking it. He's sticking it, ladies and gentlemen, where the sun don't shine to our guy Nick, who is a Pete Alonzo. I will say this. Pete Alonzo looks like New York. You know, Italian name, big old head on him, kind of a receding. I don't know. Looks like maybe he got some plugs in there. You know, always talking, leading with his chin. He is New York. But if he came to Chicago, we would like him. Sam Howell is a decent quarterback who's getting better. Sam Howell came out of North Carolina. He was going to be the number one prospect. He fell. He got to the commanders. The commanders, to their credit, saw something in Sam Howell that said, hey, I want a piece of this guy. I want this guy leading the organization. Good for Sam Howell, except Sam Howell needs to know the name David Carr. David Carr was the first pick in the draft, and he got hit so many times, he never had a professional career of note. Now he's very good, I think, as an analyst. I'm not sure where. I saw him the other day, and I thought he was good. But Sam Howell, listen to this. He is on pace for 102 sacks. Now, here's what I've always said about sacks. They hurt. Like, sacks come in many different ways. Sacks come right up the middle where you get smacked. Sacks comes where you're running, the guy hits your feet. That doesn't hurt. Sacks come like this one right here. The Eagles are looking to separate Sam Howell from the football, from his senses, from his helmet, from his head, right here on the blind side. Hey, man, 102 sacks would be an NFL record. I got to tell you, uh, that hurts. Uh, there is nobody in this world, in the world of sports, that I care less about than Lorenzo Ball. Lorenzo Ball was a player that I kind of liked. Alford, Steve, his coach at UCLA, said he was a great teammate. And I did one of their games against Michigan in Pauley Pavilion, and they were a fun team to watch, UCLA. They were. None of the players has ever really made it in the NBA. They had a kid named uh, Leaf who played a little bit, a big kid. The Pacers drafted both of those kids. Ball was all right. you know. Uh, but their dad made more of a splash than them, and their shoes were horrifically bad. The company was god-awful, and anybody that bought their shoes should immediately turn in any card that they have and any degree and diploma that they have. But anyway, Lorenzo Ball, Lonzo Ball vows. He will definitely, I bet he said most definitely, that's a big word, uh, definitely play basketball again this year because, well, he's had enough surgeries. It doesn't matter. His brother's no good either. 
Man, his brother, he's got the most punchable face in basketball. What's his name? Mello? Lamello? Lagello? Holy smokes. I'm on one today, people. You put me in black for three days. You let me have uh, dinner with my mom and her uh, boyfriend. Boyfriend's 90 years old. Greatest dude ever, Ted. Had a great dinner with my wife last night. Drove up to Lafayette. I always thought Lafayette like I thought about East Lansing. Basically a truck stop. But anyway, long story short, great little spot. Can't remember what it was called. Seven something. Fantastic. Fantastic dinner. Awesome. There you go, Lonzo. Wear your hat sitting on the bench because that's what we tolerate in the NBA. Speaking of NBA, Yusuf Nurjic takes aim at the Second Amendment. That's right. He complains that America shouldn't own guns. All right. Well, Yusef, let's hear from Yusef. I want to hear from Yusef. Because they still don't know why everybody have to have so many guns. Like, I feel like that's kind of, you know, still don't understand to this day. Um, because I feel the kids um, should be safer in our schools. I mean, you know, I think personally, when you see the, even if fake guns, whatever, come up with the social media and kids having in school, I think it's a bad thing. And uh, sometimes you can't control certain things with these media, uh, all the social media, we have platforms. But I think our kids, you know, if we can secure them, the better, you know, world going forward will definitely be without guns because all these wars and around the world is definitely not good for anyone. Uh, I don't actually disagree with him. Anything you want to do to help kids is great, but I don't want to hear from you, Seb Nervik. I'm sorry, I don't. I'm don't. I know we're supposed to. I know, you know, he's Bosnian, and obviously it's a war-torn country. Bosnia, Herzegovina, that kind of stuff is a beautiful country. And people that have been to Bosnia, my people, say it is beautiful. But you know what? I'm with you, man. Anything you could do to support drugs. Is there something else on this guy, or did I flip the page too quickly. Yes, I think I flipped the page too quickly uh, on this. Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders is mad because, well, Herm Edwards was a cheat. Herm Edwards cheated his brains out and was bad at it. So what happened? Arizona State self-imposed a bull ban. All right, let's hear from Deion Sanders because when Deion Sanders speaks, we're all supposed to stand in attention or else we'll be called a racist. Let's hear Deion Sanders. You know, we don't get a ton of time to talk to you, but I wanted to ask you something off of that kind of broad strokes. What is your opinion on the NCAA and the way that universities handle punishment, right? For instance, with what, what ASU. Type of punishment? Well, for ASU, how they have the self-imposed postseason ban this on year. What, what, what happened? Well, there were. I'm sorry, guys. Issues. I'm so locked into this. It's all good. It's all good. That. It's just more of a broad strokes thing that there, there are situations where for fear of further repercussion from the NCAA, but, schools will self-impose bans yeah. based upon history rather than what's happening with the current student athletes. I, my mom used to hand out whoopings, you know, back in the day, right? So if I did something stupid, you know, I was like, Mom, you know what? I don't even want to go to the game tonight. I, I'm, I'm not even going because I know that would lessen the whooping, all right? So if that's what they're doing, I understand. <laughs> because I've done that before. Like, Ma, I ain't going to the fair. I'm good, all right? You ain't got to, you got to spend no more money on me. I'm straight. No, you come on in and go get that belt. Right. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Man, how, how big idiots are writers? 
And that's a white rider, so he's got to be very careful, right? I mean, white riders are nervous as hell to talk to Deion Sanders, but I, uh, why would he care? I'm, I'm, I'm doing an article on punishment. Then talk to the people that did it. Then don't be afraid to talk to Herman. Every time I see a writer, I just vomit. They're the worst of the worst, except for Armando and the writers here. Not that kind of writer. These beat writers. Jeez. And I like it. Hey, man, you get your ass beat, you learn. There was a saying that I saw the other day. I paddled my kids, and the consequences have been severe. They've become people that respect other people. I paddled my kids. I don't give a damn if you don't like that. I certainly did, and they're great kids. And they actually love me. How about that? Called them both yesterday as I was driving back from Lafayette just to thank them for not being pains in the ass. And they started laughing. They go, well, you and mom had something to do with it. I go, I know, but you had choices, and you made the right ones. Illinois football stadium, Memorial Stadium is on fire. It was on fire yesterday. Illinois stinks. The coach is getting bigger right in front of our eyes, Brett Bielema. I mean, this dude is a house. A fire occurred Tuesday night at Memorial Stadium, located southwest corner, underneath the horseshoe, away from spectator areas. It was contained, been extinguished. The, now we got all the crap. The Illinois Division of Intercollegiate Athletics, thanks to First President, hosts Nebraska, will continue to evaluate the facility. Man, Illinois hosting Nebraska. That, ladies and gentlemen, if it's a noon start, is the cure to insomnia. It just is. All right, uh, Kirby Smart, I'm going to read this right here so you guys understand it. Kirby Smart made an incredibly stupid comparison about college football rankings. Let's hear from the two-time national champion coach. I don't know who you're referencing. I personally think every SEC team should be ranked. I guarantee you there's some teams that don't want to play them that are ranked. I mean, I don't, I don't, I literally have no idea what you're referencing because every team we play in the SEC is good enough to beat us. And whether they're ranked or not, I could care less. I'm trying to be more physical than them and outscore them. And the only thing I'm concerned with, not their ranking. Yeah, he's right. Why, I got a thing here that said incredibly stupid. Why is that incredibly stupid? Look, I look at it from a coach. What else are you going to say? What are you going to say? I mean, what, 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 we, what, look, you guys, Dylan and Nick and everybody, what do you want them to say? Nobody should be ranked. The SEC's down. Why is the SEC down? Well, because media says it. There's a hell of a difference between media says and watching Phil. Now, I'm just telling you. Media says they stink. Media says, didn't you watch Dockage's show? He said that the SEC is down. I don't have to watch film on them and go to work against them. If I'm coaching in the SEC and I'm Kirby Smart, I'm like, hey, this is the best league in the history of the world, and this might be the best year we ever have. It's so competitive that nobody's really standing out, and LSU is one of the great football teams in the country, but they're playing other great football teams. Are you guys crazy? Let me see the notes on this. Let me throw hands. Thank you, Dylan. Man, incredibly stupid. That's incredibly smart. Speaking of smart, uh, apparently Urban Meyer has declined interest in the... uh, (laughs) Really? Uh, Look, I have declined interest in going to Siberia without clothes for the winter. Yeah, no, I really have. No, they asked me. They wanted me to. But uh, no, uh-uh. No, I, I, 
I really, I, I had to. Yeah, I, it was important to me that I did that. Yeah. No, really. There's no chance this guy, I've texted with him the last two days, and I haven't said nothing, but apparently it's out there now that people are saying Urban has declined interest. Uh, yeah, really? You don't leave Sarasota and an oceanfront, unbelievable house lifestyle to go to a truck stop. Hey, Shelly, guess what? Pack it up. We're going to East Lansing. The hell we are. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, one of those darts right here in the neck. That's what would be coming to him. Uh, hey, Herbs, you have a great time there. You have fun there. I think you'll love East Lansing, but I ain't going nowhere. Hell no. East Lansing is a blank hole. It is a blank stain on the Big Ten in terms of a place. Some guy sent me a picture. Yeah, they got trees. Great. It's a truck stop. The best part of East Lansing in Michigan State is what? In your rearview mirror. When you're leaving, geez, get me out of here. And the people are worse. There is no worse group of fans than Michigan State fans because they've had just enough, su enough success with Izzo. There's just enough money around it that they think there's something, but they're the dumbest, most hateful, most ridiculous human beings alive. And you think Urban Meyer wants to walk into that mess where your little brother to Michigan, where the majority of your students couldn't get into Michigan? So they had to go to Michigan State? And study under who? Larry Nasser? What are we talking about? The place is a hellhole. And here's the thing about Nasser that really pisses me off. I'm going to tell you right now, Larry Nasser was on that campus for a long-ass time. And kids did have to study under him or work under him or work with him. And I got to tell you, nobody on that campus turned that asshole in for years. And nobody in the media, and this pisses me off even more, and nobody in the media, Nobody, not one person, and it's the state freaking capital. Not one person in that hellhole that's in the media either, rep well, reported on Nasser, but not one freaking person was a good enough dude or woman that the athletes at Michigan State could be comfortable to turn in the biggest freaking predator of our time in college sports. That's how bad the media is there. That's how bad the people are there. And it pisses me off. Because the way Nasser got caught was Nasser, one of the gymnasts, went to the Indianapolis Star back when the Indianapolis Star had Maria Kwiatkowski, Tim Evans, and Mark Alicia, three great reporters. But none of these jackasses uh, in East Lansing, the state capital, the state freaking capital, none of these jackasses had the respect of students that did study under Nasser, that did have to be under his thumb for years. None of them were comfortable enough to go tell these jackasses in the media, hey, look, this is what's going on. They didn't trust them, and they shouldn't trust them. It's a blank hole, period. And Nasser being there, and Mel Tucker's perfect. The D'Antonio had alligator. It's just ridiculous, that place. And ain't no way in hell any self-respecting coach of any success would bother going there. Hey, Mel Tucker was going to get fired at Colorado. Are you shitting me? What's he going to do? You crazy. You take the job for the money, and that's it. And you take the job because there's only, what, 20 Big Ten jobs? So you take that. But that place is a truck stop with even worse people. 
And Larry Nassar is the damn poster child for it, not only for the school, but for the media and the fact that this freaking college town controlled everything to its detriment. And it's crap. And I'll always say it's crap. And I understand you say the word Larry Nassar, be like, oh, you shouldn't talk about him. No, you got to talk about him because I'm telling you right now, there is somebody else at a Big Ten school, at a major university, doing the same shit Larry Nassar did, and there's the same media in that town that's so in pocket or so untrustworthy that the student-athletes there are afraid to come out because they won't be supported. I'm telling you, there you can't tell me there is. And it needs to be discussed more instead of less. Urban Meyer to Michigan State. Yeah, they may have called him. He's like, hey, look, I want 300 million. Uh, and I want a helicopter so that every day I can fly back to Sarasota. I'm not living in that dump around those people. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, I've been saying it all morning. How good is Beth the Booker? She's our new booker. She went out and got the perfect guest for today. Not only is he incredibly smart, not only does he have an unbelievable sense of humor, self-deprecating at times, but he's incredibly handsome and knowledgeable. I mean, he's the whole package. Ladies and gentlemen, the whole package with the great hair right there on the pull-up. Tom Waddle, WMVP in Chicago. A lot of stuff going on in Chicago. You're a Bears legend. Uh, we got a dumpster fire, Tommy. How do we put it out? Well, I'm not sure a dumpster fire is, is, is severe enough of an explanation <laughs> for what we have going on. Uh, I don't know that you could put it out this year. Uh, I think, you know, more than anything, Danny, this team needs a, they need a win. Uh, they have proven time and time again that, that they just haven't learned how to win. Uh, they got the best of the Denver Broncos for 45 minutes last Sunday on the lakefront. And then, reverted back to being the mistake-prone team that they have been over the last year plus. So, you know, last year was expected. Right? It was a it, it was a designed teardown, and and I was totally on board with it because I thought it was the right thing for Ryan Poles to do. But then, you know, I said at the time, my, my patience and my expectation level will be different in 2023. And so far, the significant improvement that I was expecting across the board hasn't materialized. So um, I, I think that what we've seen the last four weeks is, is you know, materially more difficult to digest than what we saw all of last season. Tommy, I'm just going to throw it all in a basket. And you, if you don't mind commenting on each, what we've seen here, obviously you talk about mistake prone. So there's a coaching element, I suppose, to it, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know enough about it, seems like. Then you got Justin Fields and what he's doing. Then you got the defensive coordinator, Alan Williams. I don't think anybody really, maybe you do, and you, I don't know, I know why that guy's out. And then, of course, 
you got Chase Claypool, and then you got a, I don't know what the all-time record is for losses. I know John McKay in Tampa Bay and, and the Detroit Lions went over. Uh, you got a whole mess here in one basket. Comment on any of it or all of it? Yeah, I, I, I mean, chaos would be a great word to describe what is going on right now. I think the thing is a former player that has been, uh, you know, I, I think it's been most difficult for me to kind of process is the lack of accountability uh, uh, up at Hallis Hall for my favorite football team. And, you know, it's okay. This is professional sports. It's okay to hold guys accountable for not doing their jobs. And, you know, I, I, Matt Eberflus seems to be a wonderfully nice guy. His record speaks for itself. But, you know, I don't think we've ever seen Matt step to the podium after a game. And really, and maybe it's the inner football meatball in me. But I need to see some anger. I need to see somebody that says, listen, damn it, this isn't good enough. We're not coaching guys well enough. We're not playing well enough. The fans deserve more. Instead, you know, I've, I've described it as that meme where the dog's sitting in the house in the kitchen, the house is on fire, and, you know, the line is everything's okay. No, it's not okay. And, you know, I don't know if that would just make me feel better if he flipped the table or make his team feel better. But, I mean, listen to the listen to the, to the post-game press conferences from, you know, Matt LaFleur when the Packers lost to the, to the Lions. Listen to what Mike Tomlin had to say. Listen to you know, any number of the guys that, that meet the media after things go wrong. And again, maybe I'm just clinging to something that is, is not really significant. But to me at this point, I want to see somebody say, this isn't good enough. We're going to, we're going to turn this thing around or we're all going to be looking for work. I think they, they took a step in the right direction last week by, by making Chase Claypool inactive and then ultimately asking him to stay at home. Um, you know, my litmus test, Danny, has always been, is the juice worth the squeeze? If, if Chase was a, an above average player who was contributing a ton to the offense, then I would say, hey, you know what? This is professional sports. You have to deal with some things that maybe you don't want to deal with. But when the production doesn't match the irritation, then there's no other move to make than to move on. And, and hopefully that's what they're in the process of doing. Yeah, you know, the Claypool thing is odd because you tell me if I'm wrong, but, you know, you were a guy that fought to get in the lineup, fought to stay in the lineup. That dude was pretty much given a spot here, uh, a, a, a second chance, right? I mean, Claypool? I like, you know, Dan, I'm, I, I, I am resistant a lot of times to try to compare myself to others because. Well, first and foremost, I don't compare to most NFL receivers. As Dan Hampton once said about me, small, slow, and friendly is no combination for this league kid. And that's what I was. I was small, <laughs> slow, and friendly. Uh, but, you know, when I look at Chase, I, I say he was kissed by the football gods. He's six foot four and he's 220 pounds and he runs a 4'4". And, you, you know, he had to, to uh, apologize to his teammates and the coaches. That was the report after the game against Green Bay because there were some questions about his effort, um, and I'll tell you from watching the film the, the next two games, uh, his effort was fantastic, and and his effort wasn't questioned by me, but there's there's no productivity there. Um, you know, he plays, as I say, um, he plays smaller and, and, and slower than his measurables. Um, he doesn't really high point the football against smaller corners. He doesn't get away from, from you know, corners that are less athletic, and and I just think, look, I, I, all you have to do is turn on the film and the film doesn't lie. And when the production isn't there, 
you just can't deal with with all the other nonsense and all the other stuff, so to speak, when when a guy's not con, you know contributing on the field. So I want to go back to too. You asked me about Justin Fields. Um, I was telling you a moment ago that I'm. Uh, this is not hyperbole or exaggeration. The first three quarters of that game against the Denver Broncos. Now, keep it in perspective. We are not. We're not quarterback you here in Chicago. We have wandered in the quarterback desert for quite some time. And it was a Denver Broncos defense that may be the worst defense I've seen in the last 10 years in the league. But you know what? It's still an NFL football team. Danny, I'm not sure I've seen a Bears quarterback play better football than I saw Justin play in the first 45 minutes. He was, the decisions were perfect. The ball came out. Um, he was accurate. That was what was most impressive to me. Not only was he putting the football in position for his guys to make plays, and guys did make plays. And with Chase Claypool out and Darnell Mooney, the second option, shockingly, the offense looks more efficient. But he was not only accurate with the football, he was supremely accurate to the point where the ball was placed where guys could make hay after the catch. So, I mean, it was visually for me, A, it was exciting because I hadn't seen it, and B, it was encouraging. But then the final 15 minutes of the game, what we saw is 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 Justin himself and the in the entire team reverted back to being the mistake-prone crew that they are. In the fourth quarter against the Broncos, they turned it over twice. Once was one turnover was returned for a touchdown. They committed four penalty penalties, and there were a a, a boatload of mental mistakes. And you know, I I won't forget the first three quarters because they were magnificent, but I can't forget the last quarter as well. You know, and as a lot of smart football people have told me in the past, and I think it applies to all sports, real progress is made in crunch time. So I like what I saw for 45 minutes, and I hope tonight against the, the commanders, they go out there and build on some of the things they did. But until this team and the quarterback find a way to make the plays that are necessary to win a football game, that that improvement and that progress is still going to be out on the horizon. So, you know, it was kind of, it was a tale of two games on Sunday. I mean, again, as I said, brilliance for 45 minutes. It's same old, same old for the final 15. And it led to their 14th consecutive loss, which is hard to believe. Well, well, and let me go to this because you mentioned a lot of things went wrong in the fourth quarter. Obviously, a lot of talk about Eberflus. You know, the Bears have never fired a guy midseason. You know, there is overreaction in the NFL. It seems to me that Fields gives you just enough that you got to keep him. But it also seems to me that maybe some of the stuff you were talking about in the fourth quarter falls on coaching. Is Eberflus in trouble here after a game if they don't play well or they lose tonight? Well, you know, this town, like that's that's the number one conversation that's being had right now. If, if this sure. gets if it gets embarrassing tonight, will they make a coaching change on Friday? And then I would ask anybody who asks that question, what do you how would you define embarrassing? Because like when you when you get outscored by the Denver Broncos 17 to nothing in the fourth quarter and lose a game where you had complete control and you were up, you know, whatever it was, 28 to seven, that's embarrassing. For me, this is rock bottom with the thought that the, that the bottom could fall out even further. But um, I don't believe I'm not one that believes that there will be a coaching change made in season. Um, I think that, that there's no question that he's on the clock. Um, I, I don't think that his body of work has, to this point, been anywhere close to enough to consider him being the long-term answer. 
A, they don't do things in this town. Doesn't mean they won't going forward, but the 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 franchise has never, I don't believe, fired a coach midway through the season. Um, I don't expect that to happen. Now, look, you may call me on tomorrow and say, oh my God, the Bears got beat 105 to nothing by the, the commanders. Is the coach going to be fine? Maybe then, but I don't think that, I think it's a very low possibility that they make an in-season change. Yeah, you know, uh, one, one of the things that I, I kind of live by is not everybody bounces back. Sometimes you splat. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it, you know, it, it, does this team have enough talent to bounce back? No, um, uh, and, no, and, and I, no, I think they're, you know, this is year one of the rebuild. I, I think that there is more talent um, than there has been. DJ Moore is a, a, a one wide receiver. I like Darnell Wright, their right tackle, who was, I believe, the 10th or 11th pick of the draft this year. Their secondary, it's just been decimated by injuries, but they've got some talent there. Um, they're still missing guys at the line of scrimmage that can wreck a game. And that's what this defense that Matt Eberflus runs is based on. You run the cover two, the Tampa two, it all starts with that three technique tackle on the line of scrimmage and a group of four guys that can pressure quarterbacks so that you can drop seven. And when you're not getting any pressure from your front four, everyone else is liable. I don't think, can they win games this year? Yeah. I mean, it's the NFL. You can really beat anyone usually on a given Sunday but I don't think that that this thing is going to turn around in a in a massive fashion. I just I think that they're they're still missing a lot of pieces to their puzzle. I think he was going to get fired here in Indy as a defensive coordinator. I I I'll, I'll, I still don't understand it. You know, Polian came in there, and I is this accurate? Everybody tells me this. Polian was kind of the guy that made the hire, or was a consultant. Is that is that accurate? You know, it's so hard. It's so hard to decipher and get straight answers out of the crew up at Hallis Hall sometimes. But, you know, there are some people that what well, the GM was hired. I want to say, how how did it go? I, I mean, they were interviewing coaches before the general manager was hired. I guess that's the best way to describe it. There's questions about whether or not Matt was hired by a consultant, you know, which would have been Bill Polian and others. Then other people tell me that, that Ryan, this was a Ryan Poles decision. Um, we need to get on the same page with most other franchises, especially the good ones, where the president of the universe, or not the university, the president of the team is in charge <laughs> yeah. of hiring the GM, then the GM and the president get together and hire the coach. Like, Dan, we've never had that 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 organizational flowchart. And I think it's it's a big reason why the the team that I loved so dearly has had very little to no success consistently over the course of time. So um you know, Kevin Warren has, has taken over for Ted Phillips. He was hired in April. Uh, I think that there's been some reluctance to make any, you know, table flipping decisions here now. But I I would not expect things to remain status quo, uh, you know, after the 2023 season. I don't think Kevin Warren is going to sit by and watch what has happened continue to happen. Well, to that point, can you see this being Fields' last year as a starter in Chicago? I can, you know, I, I'm I'm a very patient man. Uh, I've been married for 32 years, and I have four beautiful daughters. I've been taught to uh, speak when spoken to, and uh, make myself, you know, <laughs> scarce and out of the way when, when, when most things are going down. Uh, so I am patient. I, yeah. Patient, I have. I I, I do have uh, a lot of patience. Look, I think 
I think anybody that came to a, a long-term conclusion about Justin at the end of last year was being a bit premature. He didn't have enough around him to really come to a full long-term conclusion as to whether or not he was the answer. All of the people that were suggesting that he was a legitimate MVP candidate coming into the year, that's that's got hot take written all over it. I could That's a bridge too far for me. Usually in life for me, Danny, it's somewhere in the middle. Um, he's had 29 starts, I believe. He's 5-24 and 24 as a starter. Um, it's not all his fault. There's no question about it. Um, I would have to, I, I would say, especially, it, you know, they've got their number one pick and they get the Carolina Panthers number one pick. So they're right now, they're in the driver's seat, albeit in the first month of the season in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. And if they get to the end of the year and they do have the number one pick, I, I don't I, I don't think there's any doubt that they would go in that direction. I'm no college football expert, but I listen to people that I trust and many say he's a generational talent. I, I would think that Justin not only would have to play the way he played in the first three quarters of, of last week's game, you're going to have to start showing everybody that we can win because of you. You have to be, even when you have adversity inside your huddle or you're not placed in the most you know, positive environment, it's the nature of that position. You have to provide answers. And even though he hasn't been given a great hand at times, he hasn't provided enough answers yet. Now, again, I'm a patient guy, so I, I've said coming into this year, he would have the full complement of the 17 games before I would come to any long-term decision. There can be no doubt in their mind whether they, he is their future or he's not the future. So you can't tug him, you know, four or five games, five, six games into the season. You have to have a body of work that, that proves to you without a, you know, a shadow of a doubt that he's either the guy or he's not. So... Um, at this point, though, Dan, I would tell you I've seen more bad than good, um, but um, I'm also I'm open minded that people can change quickly. Uh, under the most important thing, I'm wearing black this week because the Cubs folded down the stretch. So I'm wearing the same shirt. I'm wearing black. Did you, what? did you get the pizzas that I sent you? No. What do you mean? No, no. You and I you and I had a wager. The. It was the Cubs and the Reds, and I lost, and I sent you Lou Malnati's deep dish pizzas. No. You you're no you need you need to talk to your producer because I can show you a, a text chain, a thread that that will say I remember. Yeah. Did I say did I say I got them? I've had no Melnatis. I have no Melnatis has entered this body here, but maybe I did. I I look. I don't know how your household is, and if I did and I knew it, you'd have got a thank you. One, you'd have got a handwritten note thanking you. I know, but I I don't know about your house, but the Amazon yacht comes here every yeah. day. The yeah. Amazon yeah. backs up with you know what I mean, <laughs> and oftentimes I'm going to find out. Our guy doesn't even like he lives here. I have an extra bedroom. He just like the the, yes. the truck is parked outside, and what they do is they send another Amazon truck to stock my truck. And so he doesn't even have to leave. He just has to go to the garage and get the packages and bring them to the front door. That's how it works in my house. Now yeah, I you got a like warehouse. I, I, listen, I feel like an no. ass now. No. I don't, I do not not pay my, my, my bets. So Tom, I would, I would not even quite, I'm not, I'm not questioning whether or not you did it or not. I know you did it. There's no question in my mind. I got to find out because this has been a month or two ago. 
I got to find out. I got to go to the boss lady and see what the hell yes. uh, happened. But I have seen no Melnati's in my freezer, and I'm going to look. But I don't, I don't cook either. So let's go back. I'm wearing black. The Cubs crapped the bed. Yeah. In Chicago, what, what happened here? Well, I think that, A, I thought, for me, I never thought they were a playoff caliber team. I had picked them as an 81-81 and 81 team heading into the season. So my expectations were that they weren't a postseason team. Now, as we all know in sports, your expectations change as the season unfolds. So when they went on that run and they became a team that was like 90% likely to go to the postseason by whatever chart people use, uh, I think then the expectation was is that they were going to seal the deal and they were going to be one of the wild card spots. And then everything that they did so well became an Achilles heel, like their defense. They were probably, in my oh. mind, other than the Brewers, their defense was as good as anybody in the National League. And then their bullpen, which overachieved for a large portion of the year, got exhausted and injured. And like it, it was tough to watch because they did limp to the finish line, but... Again, I think some of it was exhaustion, some of it was injury, and some of it was regression. Like, you didn't think that Talkman was going to hit 300 and be on, pay, on base 40% of the time the entire year, right? I mean, he was had a great season, but at some point, most of, especially in baseball with a 162-game season, regression to the mean is usually something that occurs. Tom? You know this. I know this. I go back to 1984, sitting in my apartment with Uwe Blop as a junior at IU, buck naked, getting ready to pour beers over my head, old styles, and then Bill, or excuse me, then Leon Durham happened. You know, people can blame Bartman. I don't care about that. Moises Alou wasn't making that play, but Alex Gonzalez happened. And now Brant Brown happened, although they went to the playoffs. Uh, Suzuki, I let out the big mothers in that one. I had, a, I had my stepdaughter and my wife sitting there, and I dropped the big ones when he called off Ballinger. That's the season-defining play, and I know that's unfair because he was, was great late in the season, Suzuki. That's unfair, but that, to me, defined the, the, the collapse, no? You know, I, I agree with you. And then, if you remember, I think it was the next game, and I think they were in, in, in Atlanta, right? The next game, Ian Happ, yeah. who's been a, you know, a gold-glove left fielder, misses a play and Dansby Swanson who was the best defensive shortstop in all of baseball this year had a couple of bad moments go back to do you always celebrate baseball accomplishments buck naked is that how you roll is like when you're about not afraid about to, to. Celebrate? what's that I'm not afraid to okay all right I'm not judging <laughs> no I'm just, I'm not no. judging I'm just asking no no, early in the year, in April, I had said, man, because in 84, I mean, you're just a young pup. You don't even remember yeah. 84. But I said early, we were talking, I go, I swear to God, if the Cubs, because they never made the playoffs in my lifetime. It wasn't wild card, wild card. It was win the division, win the, and I said, look, I'm going to run around. If they get to the World Series, I forgot what I said, but I'm running around this parking lot in our apartment, buck-ass naked, throwing beers to people. And I was ready. I, I was ready yeah. on that Sunday. I, I was ready. We were going to the World. It didn't even have to win the World Series, Tom. Just get to the World Series. I'll, you know. And that's I was ready. That's a first. 
That's a first class ticket to college jail, isn't it? Running around in a parking lot naked, throwing beer cans at people. Or is that how, is that, I mean, at Indiana, is that, is that go? Is that, is that cool? Well, as a basketball player at that time, no, no camera phones, you know, maybe a Polaroid here or there, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, we had been to the elite eight, you know, and I was a captain and I was a starter. So I, I got leeway in that town at that time. Come on. Understand, there you understandably, go. understandably, I get uh, it. Yeah, hey, full head last, of hair too, didn't you? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, feathered nicely. Uh, yeah. Pete Alonzo, any any fire there with the smoke? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Jesse Rogers, who's you know does such great work for us and for ESPN nationally, thinks mm-hmm. that it's a very distinct possibility. You know, there were a lot of people in town. And by the way, just for the record, I'm a Reds fan, so I don't want anyone to think that I know. you know I have. I'm hiding my, you know, my allegiance. Um, but I, 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 there's thought here that Bellinger is not, not going to be back just because Boris is his agent and someone's going to be willing to pay him X number of dollars over eight or 10 years. And several of the Cub fans that I know, including Cap and Jesse, all believe that the, that the Cubs probably aren't going to be willing to go that many years. So there's some skepticism about whether or not Bellinger would come back. But uh, the Pete Alonzo name is something that I keep hearing. And, you know, you hear that he wants to be here. I do believe he's got another year on his contract. So you'd have to trade for him and then sign him to an extension if that's if that's accurate. But, uh, yeah, the polar bear. They're talking about the polar bear coming to Chicago. <laughs> I, I made the analogy that when Dave Kingman came in the 70s, we all thought he was going to hit 75 home runs. And, uh, you know, the Cubs were going to the World Series. I, I don't know. Hey, uh, appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for taking time. I'm going to check on those pies. My wife's out of town, but she's yes. getting a text at 1101 right here. I want to know. Where's she hoarding? You text me back and let me know. And I'm such I a stand-up will. guy, even though I've already sent a couple, I'm going to send two more <laughs> if you didn't get them. And talk to someone. I'm, I'm going to no. send you a text later in the day with the contacts information that I received, and maybe we can come to a conclusion as to who the culprit may be. I'm going to find, here's one thing. I, I will say this. A- everything gets put in this freezer in my garage. And I got to tell you, I don't think I've opened that freezer twice in, you know, in my life. So I'm going to, my first move is going up the stairs, out the door to this freezer that I'm, you know, I think it's got a chain or padlock. Uh, I don't know what's in there, you know, but I'm getting to the bottom of this because I know you're a stand-up guy. I don't yeah. blame you even a little bit, but I will tell you, one thing I do is thank people. So I'm feeling like a jackass if I got pie and I didn't send a thank you note. That would piss me off to no end. So there you go. But I, I'd feel like a jackass if you didn't uh, actually receive it, so... We can have a jackass we'll contest at the end of this. <laughs> it's a jackass off. I'm glad there's an ass in the middle of that one right there. <laughs> See you, Tommy. Thanks, my friend. Bye, buddy. Oh, well. <laughs> he is just awesome, man. Waddle and Sylvie is the best show on radio anywhere. And AM1000, WMVP is fan-freaking-tastic. My friend Cappy does it. And thanks to everybody. Yeah, I know you love talking to Tommy. And I kept him long because, look, there's a lot there in Chicago. Usually our interviews go five, ten minutes unless it's Glavin. But, hell, I got all these notes on what to talk about in Chicago. 
And there it is right there. Like, that is a synopsis, whether it's Pete Alonzo, which news came out yesterday, the Cubs were pursuing. Justin Fields, the Colts play, or the uh, Bears play tonight in an interesting game. Sam Howell on the pace for 102 sacks, taking on the Bears. And, you know, they said the Hungry Bears is all the advertising. One thing I didn't get into TW with was the, um, uh, the Kelsey and – Britney Spears or whatever the hell her name is. But listen to this. Even Travis Kelsey, even Travis Kelsey thinks the NFL is over overdoing it with him and Taylor Swift. Here it is. Let's listen right now. Is the NFL overdoing it? What is your honest opinion? Not I think, take away, I think everybody's take away just like overwhelmed. Your feelings with- for Taylor. What is your honest <laughs> opinion on how the NFL is treating uh, celebrities at games. I think it's fun when they show uh, who all is at the game. You know, I think uh, I think it brings a little bit more to the atmosphere. Brings a little bit more to to what you're watching. Um, but at the same time, I think uh, they're overdoing it. They're they're overdoing it a little bit for sure. Especially my situation. Right. I think they're they're just trying to have fun with it. You know, I, I don't di- I don't agree. I don't disagree. I don't agree. I, I think it's great. I have no problem with it, and I'm not going to lie to you. I think NFL football is really boring. I think it is really dull for the first three quarters, and then I like to watch the fourth quarter. But if they're going to add something to it of interest, like I don't need to see some nondescript rapper that I don't know. I mean, I want to see Denzel, baby. I want to see Taylor Swift, right? I want to see, you know what would be interesting? I want to see if Madonna and her new face ever shows up. I saw a thing today that Rosie, Roseanne Barr is actually hotter than Madonna, and I got to tell you, she is, and whoever thought that? I don't need some celebrity that isn't real. I don't need some made-up guy that says, I hate white people in lyrics. I want to see some real celebrities, and I kind of like it. And Taylor Swift, you know, whether, whether you like her or not, um, I don't know, she brings a joy to it. I guess, you know... As a person that isn't a crazy liberal, I'm not supposed to say that, but I think she brings a certain joy. Bobby Barak is going to join us next. I can't wait to talk to America's conscience. And make no mistake, Bobby Barak is, ladies and gentlemen, America's conscience. We'll talk to the great one coming up next. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At Outkick, find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at outkick.com slash bet. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If you don't know why I call Bobby Barack America's conscious, you're going to find out. Bobby attacks issues that are real. And Bobby, myself, all of us at Outkick, we judge people by the content of their character, 
not the color of their skin. And that infuriates people. Bobby, your article, a couple of them. Let me go to this one first. Trevor Bauer. So uh, Sarah, whatever the hell her big old name is, and others are all uh, Ken Rosenthal. Trevor Bauer's evil. Trevor Bauer should be fine. Trevor Bauer should be this, that. They all crucified Trevor Bauer. Uh, Oops, Trevor Bauer has some receipts, but nobody, Ken Rosenthal, Sarah Spain, and others, nobody's doing and putting the same energy into saying, hey, we were wrong than they were when they wanted Bauer extinguished. What's going on here, Bobby? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, And what really bothers me here is this is a trend that exceeds Trevor Bauer. So when this woman who seemed somewhat unreliable from the start, I mean, she's an alcoholic, her story was never all that clear, the media pretty much declared Trevor Bauer guilty until proven innocent. I wrote an article uh, Monday night about the way the media covered these allegations to begin. Um, I mean, Dan, you had Ken Rosenthal saying, the Dodgers should have cut Trevor Bauer immediately. Deadspin published an article saying Trevor Bauer's career should be over. Sarah Spain chimed in several times saying that he needed to be taken off the mound immediately because people who are non-professional athletes would have their jobs removed just swiftly after these allegations. So for two years, the media has smeared this guy as a sexual abuser, a violent rapist, as someone who um, you know should have been punished more than he was. But on Monday, Bauer releases a video disclosing text messages from the accuser to her friend admitting to a plan to shake him down, calling him, quote-unquote, her next victim. So you have all this going on, and I took it upon myself to see if those same media outlets were retracting, apologizing, or simply just reporting the new news. And none of that has happened. Ken Rosenthal, who led the crusade against Trevor Bauer, Dan, do you know what... Ken Rosenthal has had to say since Monday, nothing. He's not tweeted about it. He's not written about it. He's not spoken about it. All he's done is retweet some news aggregation article that says Bauer and the accuser settle. The Athletic has said very little about it. ESPN actually interviewed Rob Manford yesterday and didn't ask him about Trevor Bauer but asked him about the lack of black Major League Baseball players. So that's quite interesting. Sarah Spain has had nothing to say about Trevor Bauer, but she's had a lot to say about me, which is fine. But this entire story really is an indictment on the legacy media, particularly the sports media. They sought to ruin this guy's career. They casted him guilty until proven innocent. And now that the media has been proven wrong, they've run from it they've deflected blame, and they've moved on. That's completely unprofessional, unethical, and inappropriate from the legacy press. And I think these people need to be held accountable, which is why I wrote that piece on Monday. Yeah, and Spain actually had the audacity to say that, you you know, she never commented on it, and you've got the receipts in the article. That's the typical cowardice of these people. And you know what? I think folks are starting to see this, Bobby, but the worst is Molly Knight, some – I don't yeah. know, reporter, whatever the hell she was at the Athletics. She actually, and this was in the court documents, correct? She actually claimed falsely, not even close to true, 
that the woman had a, what, fractured skull? What, what is this idiot doing? Yeah, so Trevor Bauer filed a lawsuit against The Athletic and a couple other media outlets. He has settled. He settled in June. But in the complaint, he referenced a tweet from Molly Knight, who was a at The Athletic at the time, she put out a tweet that Trevor Bauer fractured the skull of the accuser. But as Bauer claims, she had in her possession the medical records at that time that proved there was no fractured skull, but she reported it anyway. And oh, by the way, while she only did that on her Twitter account, outlets like Deadspin cited that report to argue that Trevor Bauer should never pitch again which we referenced in our article. So while The Athletic can claim she didn't do that on their platform, they're correct. But the impact of that tweet, that smear job, that lie, was quite substantial because several outlets cited her Twitter account saying that he fractured the woman's skull, which medical records say he absolutely did not. Yeah, that's got... Julie DiCarlo has to be somewhere in the middle of all this, right? Uh, You know... Uh, I, well, I'm reading. I've been trying to figure out why so many people think Trevor Bauer has been victimized. Then it's uh, because they don't understand what a settlement is. What? Huh? <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I don't get that uh, at all. But what bothers me the most about all of this is that the media, look, what happened with Nicholas Sandman, I thought, would have changed the way newsrooms cover these stories or Kyle Rittenhouse, who, oh, by the way, is still called a murderer in several headlines by Slate and MSNBC. But these people, this entire industry, doesn't really care about the facts. They've proven that over and over again. Um, They've been sued. Some of them have lost. But when they target somebody, when they decide that we're going to make this person the subject of ridicule and vileness, um, there is hardly any accountability across the industry. Um, People get so mad at me for pointing that out and say I'm targeting them. Um, I I just find that so cowardly and so inappropriate that these people tried to ruin Trevor Bauer's career in a lot of ways successfully did. He hasn't pitched in the major league in two years. Um, Dan, you take two years off of pitching at that level, you never get those two years back. And I don't know if he'll ever get a chance again because those were his prime years. Those two years that he was called a violent sexual abuser, he can never get those two years back. So while the facts are beginning to come out, it doesn't undo the years of misery they put this guy through. Um and what happens next? Nothing, because the same people who framed him this way have had so little to say. They've just moved on to targeting new people. Um, and I just find it so disgusting. I try not to lose perspective because I don't always want to be the guy who complains about the media because people do that. I don't want to be that person. But you see this stuff. You cover this stuff. You reach out to these people and they have nothing to say. Uh, You can't help come away just so grossly disappointed by the industry. And um, I, I have so little respect for all of these people now.
Yeah, it's it's sad. The other thing that's sad is the comparison of Josh Allen. You wrote a great piece yeah. on Josh Allen and the difference and the race-based difference in the criticism of him. But you know what? That's all from the same usual dumbass suspects, the Foxworthies, the Bomani Joneses, the America's racist, as I call him, Kendrick Perkins. I mean, the same clown saying the same stupid stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And so he's ironic. The coverage of Josh Allen is the inverse of the coverage of Lamar Jackson, right? Um, those usual suspects you just mentioned, they tell us all the time that the media is degrading and belittling Lamar Jackson and not giving him his praise and highlighting his failures and burying his achievements. Well, none of that's true. They don't actually cite any examples. They just say it. But all of that's true of Josh Allen. Um, the way he's covered comes across so personal. Um, people say, as I put in the piece, like Chris Canty and Kendrick Perkins and Stephen A., that he's not an elite quarterback. Robert Griffin III said that the Bills would be better off without Josh Allen. Um, Canty said that the Bills can't make the playoffs with Josh Allen, despite making the playoffs the past four years with Josh Allen. Um, and it's completely racial because – They've admitted it. Bomani Jones said last year that Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen divide America across racial lines because white people don't like Lamar Jackson and black people like himself don't like Josh Allen. Well, I don't see any white people dislike Josh Allen, but I compiled a long list of black pundits saying they don't like Josh Allen, including Dominique Foxworth, who admitted a couple of years ago that he roots for Josh Allen to fail because quote Josh Allen supporters like the American flags and dogs. Can you imagine if Scott Van Pelt went on ESPN and said that he roots oh. for Lamar Jackson to fail? So you might ask yourself, well, why are they targeting Josh Allen? What's well, a couple of reasons? One is on draft night in 2018, the media put out, tweets of him using the n-word from his teenage years they tried to cancel josh allen from day one and you have losers like mike freeman and howard bryant continuously bringing up those old tweets they're never going to forgive josh allen for what he posted when he was 15 years old but second the quarterback conversation has become so racial over the past few years and it's josh allen who so often is compared to black quarterbacks in the media, for obvious reasons, takes the side of the black quarterback. As Bomani said, Josh Allen's compared often to Lamar Jackson. He was compared to Patrick Mahomes after that shootout in 2022. And as of this year, he's been compared to Dak Prescott as two quarterbacks who throw interceptions. And in all of those cases, as we document in our piece, the media says, well, Josh Allen's getting a pass because he's white. What an absolute lie. Josh Allen is being covered more harshly because he's white. And um, look, what they're doing to Josh Allen is no different than what the NBA media did to Jokic last year by comparing him to other black players and saying, well, he's just being held up to the standard because the media's majority white. This is white privilege. I mean, we've debunked that several times. Most of the analysts on TV are actually black. So this whole pro-white media bias when it comes to athletes is dishonest, is inauthentic. And anyone who is continuing to say that is either just falling for this ruse 
or is participating in it. Yeah, and it's no surprise. I mean, like I say, it's 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 just no surprise. Look, ESPN and the boss, Robert Iger of Disney, said, we're going to scale back the politics. We're going to scale back the diversiveness. We're going to scale back the race baiting. And all of a sudden, oops, here comes ESPN with Jamel Hill, of all people, and some guy who is a thief and a racist, Ibrahim Malcolm X something something light. I don't know. So they've been quietly putting together another show. Yeah, so um, I would actually argue that people who have criticized this story, whatever this series or documentary, have actually missed the point. So Ibram X. Kendi is one of the people who, over the past four years, has normalized and mainstreamed critical race theory. He has presented what I would call an abbreviated form of critical race theory that colleges and institutions have adopted. Um, And you see several reports since June, but a lot of the people who have bought into his version of critical race theory and invested money in these foundations have been frauded. This guy is a fraudster. He is is the 2023 version of Al Sharpton. Um, His entire existence is to get people to pay for him while he tells you how racist you are. Um, That is his career. So Ibram X. Kendi has actually been exposed over the past year or so. So to see Disney try to help him and now pay him um, is mind boggling because they have access to the same information that all of we do. Um, In a lot of ways, the Jamel Hill partnership pales in comparison for them to team up with Ibram X. Kendi who has built a career and has gotten wealthy off the idea that you pay me and I tell you how racist you are and I make you look better and I try to ease some of your white guilt. Um, I've read a lot about this guy. He, he's one of the biggest frauds in a, in the media, in pop culture. Um, I often make jokes about Bishop Talbert Swan, who I call the anti-white bishop online. Ibram X. Kendi is on that level. So I would tell anyone who is um, going to watch this series or whatever it is to do some research on what Ibram X. Kendi has preached and what he says critical race theory is. I think once you read that and consume some of his views, you'll have a really good understanding of why I have such an issue with anybody partnering with him. People that know this know that this is how it works. Back when Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson were doing their reign of racism all across the country, people would ask them to come in and help their cause, and they would, but they would charge 35 to 150 grand is what I was called. I should say allegedly, because I never asked them to do that. It was quite profitable, and Sharpton never paid his taxes, still stays at the Four Seasons, smokes big cigars, uh, and somehow, someway has avoided jail. These people invoke fear, and I think this Kendi guy sees an opportunity here. I think he sees Sharpton getting old. I, I don't know. Jesse Jackson may be dead. I have no idea. I, I don't know. Uh, and I think he sees a thing here. Hey, I'll come in, but you're going to have to pay me 100K, and I'll, I'll stir it up for you. That's a legitimate business today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the most frequent offenders of that is someone who I've covered a lot is civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump. Uh, I mean, this oh, guy geez. is one of, one of the most notable shysters of this whole BLM and America's institutionally racist movements. Every time 
um, someone of, of color is shot or murdered, he comes in, flies in, flies in private mostly, and tells the family, hey, I'm going to get you a lot of money because this is racist. Benjamin Crump has set back America because he takes advantage of people who are suffering, tells them they're suffering because of the color of their skin, and says he's going to get back at the people who caused it. Um, we probably all remember the saying and slogan, hands up, don't shoot. I believe it originated with Michael Brown. You know the first person to coin that phrase was? It was Benjamin Crump, and that saying, yep. hands up, don't shoot, proved to be a lie. Benjamin Crump made a lot of money off that saying, off that case. He became famous, generationally wealthy over that. So there are a, there's a long, lucrative industry of people capitalizing and stoking racial hysteria from Al Sharpton to Ibram X. Kendi to Benjamin Crump to Jamel Hill to the anti-white bishop to a lot of white people in the media, Chris Hayes, Rachel Maddow. There is great racial, there's great financial incentive to racial division, which is why it continues. Follow the money, as the old People, adage goes. Yeah, go ahead. That is an, an old adage. That has never been more prevalent than right now. Just follow the damn money. Do it. Follow the follow the money. Well, in in the trans yeah. movement too, I, I wrote a piece, for, you know, two three weeks ago about why the trans movement is so prevalent and same thing the trans community is being exploited for a fundraising campaign the human rights uh the, the hrc they're making and raising money on the thesis in the hypothesis that the trans community is being suppressed george soros is behind it funding this organization donating money you have doctors benefiting greatly from genital mutilation their entire industries now um profiting from transgenderism racism transgenderism it's all the same people are making money from it so it continues and it continues to escalate and they try to destroy anyone who exposes the farce um, and I mean, it's so obvious, it's almost insulting that more people don't point it out, but none of this is honest. The people, BLM, the HRC, politicians, lobbyists, they don't actually sympathize with these so-called marginalized groups. They're weaponizing no. these so-called marginalized groups for their own political, social, and most importantly, financial gain. I'm going to tell you something, and... I may be wrong, but I know a lot of the higher-ups at ESPN. I was the only employee, according to them, that at the end of every season, I walked up to the seventh floor and thanked them. There's not a chance in hell they believe in the stuff that they're doing at ESPN. There's not. And I don't know what the DEI rating is and all that kind of, I don't know. I don't care about all that stuff. But there isn't one guy, not one, black or white, sitting on top at ESPN that thinks this is the right way to go about it but they're being pressured, and I don't understand how they could be pressured, but they're being pressured because I know uh, some of those people, and they don't buy this crap. They don't buy none of it. That That's absolutely right. Um, the, the best example of that is Mark Jones. I mean, we've reported this at OutKick. Dan, executives, um, talent, agents, they've reached out to OutKick several times 
talking about how embarrassing Mark Jones is and how they would love to see him fired. I have it on very good authority that there were people at ESPN who wanted to lay off Mark Jones in June because of his tweets, because of his comments, because of his lies. But they were met with the idea, well, we can't fire our only black play-by-play commentator so this whole support for mark jones is a lie people don't support mark jones in that building but it's too hard to fire him because racial relations are so high and they know as soon as they can him he's gonna run right to the media and say well they fire me because i told rush limbaugh to rot they fire me because i'm afraid of police officers as he put out on social media but espn look the people in charge of ABC, ESPN, Disney, New York Times, CNN. They're not stupid people. They're just afraid. Yeah, that's exactly right. No, Bobby, that's exactly, exactly right. I can't thank you enough, man. Thanks for coming on my show. I appreciate you very much. Of course. Stay in touch. That's my man, Bobby Barak. He's America's conscious. He is. He's the only guy with the stones to call these clowns out. One race hustler gets old, another one shows up. Hey, man, give me 40 grand and I'll show up. That's real. You can say it's not, but that's real. You tell me, how does Al Sharpton have the money that he has? How Jesse Jackson and these guys have the money that they have? And I'm sure there's white dudes doing it too. I'm sure there's white dudes doing it absolutely too. No question about it. I mean, it's, it's the world we live in. I always tell people on this show, you hear me say it. Hey, look, clown, you ain't getting cap money. You are not getting cap money. You're not getting Sharpton money. Now, maybe Ibrahim X, whatever the hell his name is, is. I don't know. I don't know. It's Thursday. You know what we're going to. Uh, We're going to come back, and I'm going to give out some damn awards. That's right. The damn awards, ladies and gentlemen. And before we do, points bet is there for you with up to $1,000 in insurance. Look at it like insurance. It's insurance, ladies and gentlemen, against the first $1,000 that you lose. Gambling, now it doesn't mean you got to lose, it just means that you have points bet insurance, up to $1,000 on your bets. That's new users. So you sign up at points bet and you put a little money in there and they, ladies and gentlemen, are going to give you up to $1,000. You see it right here in second chance bets. I call it insurance. Look, here's the deal. You go to outkick.com backslash bets. Of course, you got to be 21, clown. Of course, restrictions do apply. Gambling problem, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. But it's very simple. Go to outkick.com backslash bets. And you, too, can get $1,000 in insurance. And we got a big football weekend coming. And ladies and gentlemen, 4-0. That's what the house bet is. Four no. We're able to make a house payment with the house bet. More coming on that tomorrow. We'll be right back. Are you looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At OutKick, find exclusive promos, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at OutKick.com backslash bet. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I got to tell you, what a show today. Bobby, fantastic. Tom Waddle, absolutely unbelievable. And you know we give awards, so I'm going to give award to our entire crew. Nick, Nick, too. Of course, Dylan and Ryan, the guys that actually are right here every day making the show spectacular. I'm going to give them a damn award uh, and say thank you. That's not really a great award. They need cash. They need cash money is what it is. Water the infield for everybody around here or send them some whiskey, something. Ah, hell, I don't know. But anyway, what a great crew we have. Beth the Booker, you're outstanding. Katie, of course. And the great Haley. All right, let's go to the damn awards. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the damn awards are special. They're being picked up. There's going to be Peabody's. There's going to be, I don't even know the other awards. I don't think we can get Grammys. Certainly we can get an Oscar. We do not want an ESPY because, well, frankly, I don't have to become uh, a cross-dressing lesbian for me to get an Emmy or a a ESPY. I don't want to cut my PP off. That's the only way a guy like me could get an ESPY, and I don't want it. I'm not going to lie to you. I like my PP. I do. So there you go. Speaking of that, you know, my place in Indiana, I've said this before and I'll say this again. I'm going to get this in every day. Scott Dolson's a friend of mine. He might have been a manager in 1984. It's coming up on the 40th anniversary of a team beating Michael Jordan and going to the Elite Eight. Did you know Indiana has only had 11, 11 in their entire history going back to, I think it was 1916 when Indiana basketball started Elite Eights? I'm not even talking about Final Fours. I'm talking about Elite Eights. Now, Indiana University will celebrate a lesbian. They will celebrate, oh, I don't know, somebody transgender, maybe a fat Southern Indiana guy that gave 50 bucks to the program, certainly some NIL slap and a big check on the court. But the truth of the matter is simply this. Indiana has never celebrated an Elite Eight team. Now, I got to tell you, there was a time when an Elite Eight team wasn't considered great at Indiana. That time has certainly passed since 1984. There has been one Elite Eight team in, at Indiana since 1984. When I am talking about 85 on, there have been 87, 93, 92, and 2020. I was there for all of them, but Indiana refuses to honor this team for whatever the reason. Maybe they don't like me. Maybe they're just stupid. But I guarantee you, if one of their athletes comes out as a transgender folk, they will have that person front and center at Hoosier Hysteria leading the charge. I'm a hero for saying it. I wouldn't even go to the thing if you want to know the truth. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even go. I just wouldn't. Uh, I don't need to go. Why would I need to go? But the fact of the matter is simply this. It's amazing that they don't do that. Anyway, Heroes of the Week. I got to tell you, they lost 672,000 straight playoff games. They hadn't won a playoff game since 1984. That's not true. But the Minnesota Twins, see, back in the day when they were in the Metrodome, the Minnesota Twins recorded the highest ever, ever sound at a baseball game. It sounded like a plane taking off. It was so loud. It was Kirby Puckett, Kent Herbeck, Gary Gaetti, uh, Jack Morris on the bump, as we used to say. That's right. That's how we talked back then. Chuck Nabla was at second base, I think, pre-Yankees. Long story short, they were great. Dan Gladden scored the winning run and the place went nuts. Well, guess what? The Twins are back, baby. It's the first playoff win since 2004. Listen to this. This is how great my staff is. 
It's the first playoff win in the cell phone era. That's right. Now, you can say we had cell phones in the 90s. I, yeah. I mean, I had a big bag phone, but I'm talking about the phone era, the real phone era. Yeah. Uh, dunce of the week, Rodney Harrison. Look, Rodney Harrison is a racist. Rodney Harrison showed himself exactly what he was when he called white quarterback Zach Wilson garbage on national TV after, ironically enough, Zach Wilson had a great game. Not a good game, a great game on Sunday night football. But Rodney couldn't let it go, talking to Chris Jones, the stud defensive tackle of the Kansas City Chief. Rodney called him garbage. He said he was garbage. And Chris Jones handled it like a champ. He said, wait a second here. He's special. And, of course, Harrison couldn't let it go. He said he had a special night, but he's not Harrison. As an African-American announcer, there will be absolutely no accountability. He simply sent a little bit of an apology to Wilson and it's water under the bridge. Were this to be a white man? And, again, don't hit me with, well, the man is really keeping you down. No. I judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Nobody else seems to do that. We seem to make, we seem to make, what's the right word? Oh, I don't know. We seem to make concessions for certain folks and none for others. Well, that's the Rodney Harrison way. He, ladies and gentlemen, is the dunce of the week. Craziest story of the week. I don't get this. Sergio Brown's mother Former NFL player, former Notre Dame player, former Colt Sergio Brown. His mother wound up dead outside of their home in Maywood, a place where Sergio Brown apparently was. At the time of the death, Sergio Brown's mother found in a creek. Sergio Brown's mother, I believe, died of a blunt force trauma, meaning she got hit in the head, dumped in a creek. This clown, Sergio Brown, instead of being in Chicago, Maywood to be specific, is in Mexico. He made a video crazily saying that it was the police. He made a video saying it was the FBI, and then he made another one. He is hanging out in Mexico dancing with some, I don't know, you know, woman that is going to end up humping another woman in a gross display. The only thing good about it is everybody kept their clothes on. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that this clown, Sergio Brown, hasn't been arrested, hasn't been brought in. Nobody's talking about it. And I feel bad for everybody involved here. Look at these two. Yeah, give me a piece of that with the third. Yeah, oh, yeah. Work it, baby, work it. Work that big butt. Is that from, uh, that's from somebody. I don't know. Maybe it was from Salt and Pepper. Maybe not. Did I ever tell you the time I tried to get Salt and Pepper to my wedding? They wanted 15 grand. I wasn't having it. Uh, worst week, left-wing media that slammed Trevor Bauer, far-left media that slammed Trevor Bauer, has shown themselves to be biased and, of course, cowards. They all are running from it. Ken Rosenthal, you know when you're this tall and you wear a bow tie, you don't have a lot going for you. You're angry. You know when you're Sarah Spain and you try to sell your breasts on the Internet for Bears tickets and you make a, a video saying, I want to F. I won't say the word because thinking of Sarah Spain doing that is just gross. Steve Bartman, you're just a gross human being. 
you are. So no surprise on those two. No surprise on the rest of the racists over at ESPN for not having the stones. I've learned racists are cowards. I've learned sexists are cowards. I've learned that people that sell their breastuses and make videos, I want to F Steve Bartman, are cowards. And we're seeing it now. Trevor Bauer not only deserves to be reinstated into baseball, he deserves to have an apology from the Los Angeles Dodgers, an organization that sells, uh, celebrates anti-Christian organizations, and of course, Major League Baseball. He'll never get his career back, he'll never get his name back, and he'll never get his money back. But he took a long way this week, and also the left-wing, crazy-ass, ridiculous media did exactly what they did. They are cowards, ladies and gentlemen. Absolute freaking cowards. This makes me sad. All right, Randy Gregory is a kid from right over here. Randy Gregory is a troubled dude. Randy Gregory, I watched him play against my son in high school basketball. He's a pretty good high school basketball player. Randy Gregory has had all kinds of problems. He went to Purdue. He ended up transferring, whatever. It's always the same people, and Randy Gregory is one of those people. The Dallas Cowboys gave him big money. Couldn't stay on the field. Drugs, alcohol, whatever were always the issue. This seems to be the end of the tale of an uber, uber, uber talented dude named Randy Gregory. The Broncos. The Broncos with America's worst defense, with a defense that the legendary Tom Waddle just came on our show and said was the worst he's seen in, I don't know, the last 10 years, cut Randy Gregory. Holy cow. He got cut. All right. File this one on there. Do you really think so? Do you, do you really think so? Justin Fields, I guess, is trying to be a leader. When I see Justin Fields, I see Justin Fields as a lost soul. He looks lifeless in his eyes when talking about it. He tries to say the right things. He said, look, I know I passed for a lot of yards, but I'd rather win. But he didn't say it with any conviction. So I don't know if we're going to buy Justin Fields, but do you really believe this? This is Justin Fields on his teammate Chase Claypool's criticism of coaches using him incorrectly. I think he knows that he kind of messed up. Kind of. Didn't really mess up. He kind of messed up. Yeah, you're kind of a leader. You're kind of an NFL quarterback. All right, but I wish him nothing but the best. He's a talented player, great person. Everybody's a great person. Uh, Great people don't do what Chase Claypool is doing. Memo. I know we're all supposed to say everybody's great. I know we're all supposed to say, hey, look, the great Joby Wright, and I use the word great because he had a fantastic line. He said our society uses great to describe the guy driving the getaway car, not the guy that did the actual robbing. He's a great person. Why is he a great person? I just drove the getaway car. He didn't hold the gun to the clerk's head, ruining the clerk's life. Great line by Joby, one of my coaches at Indiana. He's a great person. Has a good heart, works really hard. Definitely going to be staying in touch with him regardless of what happens. There you go. Good for you, Justin Fields. Great person. Oh, Chase Claypool is great. Well, let me explain something to you. All right? Great people don't do that. This is good news, not for anybody other than him. Remember Victor Webanyama? The first pick in the draft, the new guy that's going to set the NBA on its ear, the new guy that's going to bring the NBA into the next generation. Oh, it's a pest. I got a headache. Well, I told you this. He was too skinny, and he better find a game. Well, guess what? Victor Webanyama 
gain 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. Now, his agent said, hey, look, back in the day, that it would be a mistake for him to bulk up. His agent's an idiot. I mean, all you got to do is look at history. All you got to do is look at Michael Jordan when he got to the NBA and Michael Jordan five years in. You don't have to look at when Michael Jordan was a grown-ass man at 38. Same thing with LeBron James. I thought LeBron James was really big and strong in high school, and I look at pictures of LeBron James in high school, I'm like, holy cow. Guys that played in my era, our bodies stunk. Our bodies, we thought were good. I could, I think I may even still have this treadmill record that they had at Indiana. I could go for days, but I look at my body, and it's not near what these guys are. So this guy, Webb and Yama, who we're all going to celebrate, even when he gets a 10-10, and he's going to be the greatest player in the history of the world, was smarter than his agent. And I got to tell you, as one that has a missing agent, as one that has an agent that doesn't do crap for me except for make me pay people, uh, pay him, I got to tell you, many agents are morons. Celebration time, ladies and gentlemen. Celebration station right here. Hooters, uh, yesterday, October 4th, 1983. We should have had this yesterday, but you know what? We were too busy with greatness yesterday. 40 years ago, Hooters opened the first restaurant in Clearwater, Florida. There are 306 Hooters restaurants in the United States as of August 23rd. The state with the most? Texas, 54. There you go. All right. Great concept. Hot women, little clothing, bringing dudes, dudes food with a beach setting. I got to tell you, Andrew and my nephew Pete, we took them to the Hooters every time for their birthday when they were 10 years old. Why? I'll tell you why. Hot girls that like to joke around with little boys. Hot girls that were funny as hell, and they like the wings. I like the chicken sandwich. If there's some stigma to going into Hooters, I got that for you right there. Good for Hooters. The owner of Hooters said, hey, look, I thought I was going broke. I did. I, I, I thought I was going broke. I couldn't imagine this working. Wait a second. Hold the phone. You didn't think hot women serving drinks and guys' food wouldn't go over. Let me tell you a story, you Indiana fans, about Yanko's little Zagra. I knew Yanko. I did. Yanko, big old guy from Northwest Indiana. Big loud guy. He died in a fire, allegedly, to run back into his house to get a ton of cash from a meth lab that was in his house that exploded. That's all alleged. That's all I heard. But I remember going and talking to Yanko one day about his business model. He said this, look at our waitresses, all beautiful. Look at our steaks, all massive. Look at our beer, all cold. Look at our wine selection, fantastic. And then we add to it, potatoes, maybe some ribs, some chicken. But that was the business model. Hot college girls serving big steaks, cold beer, great wine in a friendly, easy atmosphere. And if you're ever going to Bloomington, Indiana, and you want a great meal, Zagreb's is the place. There are no white tablecloths. There are checkered tablecloths, plastic, that they wipe down. There is recruiting posters for IU football mostly all over the walls. 
It's about 20 pictures of me in different areas because, well, I'm an icon. But it is simple, ladies and gentlemen. Hire pretty waitresses. It pissed Elaine Bennis off. I get it in Monks or whatever the restaurant was called. But I got to tell you, who cares if Elaine Bennis got pissed off? Why would anybody give a rat's ass if Elaine Bennis got pissed off? What are you talking about? Hire this, serve cold beer, great food, boom. You want women? I'll tell you this, hire hot dudes. There was a restaurant here in Zionsville, true story. Had great breakfast, great breakfast. I forget its name. It was by my house. Two problems with it. One, all the servers had bad acne. They were high school age, whatever, acne everywhere. And the place was next to a subway and it smelled like bread. True story. I loved the breakfast, but I couldn't look at the face of my server and her acne because all I could do is think about Dr. Pimple Popper popping zits and then handling my food. I couldn't get over it. I don't know if the place is still there. I moved out of there, but I got to tell you, I don't care. Give me big screen TVs, cold beer, good food, and hot women serving it that have a personality. No different. Give me, if I'm a woman, give me cold beer, wings, TVs, and some good looking dudes that are nice serving it. I don't give a damn if you think that's sexist. I don't give a damn if you think that's anything other than good business. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is good business. So congratulations, particularly Hooters girl in the middle right there. That was money well spent. No, it was. You can get mad all you want, but hey, look, I don't know what to tell you. It was. Uh, <laughs> Richard Sherman. Remember, Richard Sherman went to Stanford. In the great state of Indiana, when Richard Sherman was a complete dumbass with Aaron Andrews after a game, everybody had to say, oh, but remember, he's really smart. This was at the time when every white dude had to be careful about literally everything they said. Hell, I told some woman, crazy liberal, that I would not go at it in a pool with her. Her words go at it because I was a married man and no chance am I going at it. And you can take it any way you want. You can think I made it sexual. You can think I made it swimming, sport, whatever. I don't care. I wasn't doing it. I'm not doing it. I defend my marriage first. But anyway... Having said that, Richard Sherman was an idiot. Richard Sherman had to be protected by Whitey when he lost his mind. So what does Richard Sherman do? Richard Sherman has thoughts, and as always, they're against a white coach that just won an NBA title. Let's hear from Richard freaking Sherman. So he is laughing Michael Malone has had one wow. successful it's season, One. Michael one Malone has had one successful season. He could, LeBron James could really give a, a you-know-what, as you would say, about what Michael yeah. Malone is doing. Michael Malone will be an irrelevant, erroneous name in the history books of the NBA. He'll be a guy who maybe wins one championship, maybe two, you know, at the, at the greatest, and then he'll be forgotten about, as most people are, as people will forget about this Denver Nuggets championship team. I mean, uh, okay. They're, they won't forget about LeBron James. Okay. I mean, no, one, no one's saying they're not. You ever notice that all these shows, it's black against white? Do you ever notice that? Always. Like, I don't know. Always. Uh, I'm not saying he's the greatest coach ever, but he has come in first, first, 
and first. He's won a title. Now, I get it. You third-team all-league guys are going to say, man, it's only the chips that count. Shut up. Look, Richard Sherman and the idiots that are on Amazon Prime in the morning, I don't even watch. I don't. In fact, I'm not going to lie, and I should not say this. I don't watch pregame, halftime, or postgame shows. All right, I have a theory on the Ryder Cup. Get ready for it. So Jim Furyk explains Patrick Canaway, like why he didn't wear a hat, denies all the team turmoil, and all that kind of stuff. All right. So we see all these older golfers, and they're all good dudes. Make no mistake. They're all good dudes. They all love golf, all this kind of stuff. I'm not sure where rumors of team disharmony came from after you saw the support Patrick had, the guys raising their hats in front of the green. Uh, he took a beating that day from whether it was from the media, fans, not wearing a hat, speculation that maybe he didn't want to wear an American flag, whatever it may be. I saw you, the, you saw the support from the players. I was in the team room every day, every night. Those 12 guys bonded, really got along. I know we're disappointed we didn't bring the cup back to the United States, but I can say, and I'll stand by this, those 12 guys really got along well, supported each other as captains. We couldn't have asked for anything more. Ah, it's great. Who cares? Paul Azinger did this back when they won the cup, and I would do this in a heartbeat. Here's what you do. I don't give a damn about Jim Furyk. I don't give a damn about Freddie Couples. I don't give a damn about Steve Stricker. Great guys, great players, did a lot for golf. I don't give a damn about Davis Love. Davis Love, to me, is the ultimate frat boy. I'm sure he's got deviant in him. That's what frat boy does. And I know he's had some personal tragedies, but he's always viewed me as exact example of why, why North Carolina never won basketball titles. I'm sorry. He was the example. When I was at Indiana, we had more titles in North Carolina. They had better players. We had one NBA All-Star in the history of Bob Knight, Isaiah Thomas. That's it. They had Michael Jordan, Sam. I mean, they had a number of guys. Anyway, I digress. Here's what I would do. If I was a Ryder Cup captain, I would scratch all these old guys. I would go ask Joe Montana, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan to be my vice captains. I would go ask those three men to commit to being vice captains. And I would have them work and be around players. I don't give a damn about somebody's swing. Now, you got a whole team of guys that help Scotty Scheffler. I don't give a damn about any of them. I'm putting greatness around these guys. I'm putting people that they would feel comfortable to. Steve Stricker, these guys, all of these guys are simply there to appease players. That doesn't work, particularly on the road. Now, I don't know whether you need this at Bethpage, but I do know this. I would make Tiger Woods the captain next time you went on the road. I would say, we need him. I want Michael Jordan as my vice captain. I don't know whether Joe Montana plays golf. Seems like he probably does. I would make him. I would then make Wayne Gretzky. Or if you don't want Montana, find somebody else. If you need an African-American, you know, get Lawrence Taylor if he can get off babysitters and drugs and everything else. You know, whatever. Barry Sanders, whatever. But Barry Sanders never won squat. Not his fault, but he didn't. So I would make damn sure that there's guys in there. Maybe Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice would be a good one. Look at this. Freddie Couples in the middle doing all this, celebrating with the hat, Furyk. Get rid of these guys. Get rid of them and make damn sure you put people in there that have done it at a high level and one putt when you're down immeasurably or you can't ever come back, but you make one putt doesn't offer some clown like Freddie Couples, who isn't what you think he is, uh, waving a hat. Embarrassing right here. 
Think Ricky Fowler would have sat out with a little cold if Jordan was sitting there going, yo, you playing or what? No, Freddie Couples, what are you going to do? Get rid of all of them. Get some studs in there that are know how to win. Hey, I don't care what you do at Beth Page. You're going to win that. You're Americans. It's un-American, and the fans are going to be mean, and you know, Colin Montgomery might come out and get pissed. But tell me I'm wrong. I hope they make this into a thing because this is good stuff I just gave you. What a great show we got. Woke dope me, will you please? Oh, by the way, hold on. Did you see Joe Biden's going to break about 26 of his own policies to do what? Build a wall. Huh, shocking. Why is Trump always right after the fact? I feel you, DT. What do we got? No woke dope? Am I getting to where? Oh, there it is. Uh, I have some buyers for the nuclear codes. Bidding starts at $2 billion. Boy, oh boy. Is that true? Oh, my God. Hey, uh, can you imagine? I, I, would you say this is totally unreasonable if you've paid attention? Like, I get it. I understand. I do. I understand that, you know what, uh, you know, you get called names, but do you really, if you have any kind of sense of what's going on in this world, do you really think this is far-fetched? Really? I don't. I think this is probably close. If you're going to divide it 50-50, I'd say it's probably closer to the truth than not being the truth. I would also put gun to head and say, look, I, I'm going to die probably here, but I'm not saying that this isn't something that these two clueless dumbasses, these two fraudulent, corrupt mother hubbards haven't thought about or put up for sale. Sad, true. What are you going to do? Next. How do you feel, Joe? Don't get your hopes up. My handlers say I've never felt better. Yeah, Gavin. Gavin, don't get your hopes up. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I think the Republicans need to start smearing and smearing hard immediately. I do. I think they need to start smearing like crazy. Like, just make these idiots. Show the streets. Show what's going on in San Francisco, which, by the way, this guy Newsom was the mayor of. Now, people, the American people, here's the biggest thing that you can do in an election. Stay vigilant, man. Stay vigilant. All right, next. I can't say certain things because we get cut off. I don't want to get cut off. Oh, bye. Say no to Creepy Joe. Look at those hands, baby. Uh, that's like Eva Longoria. Remember when he took a little bit of a side squeeze on the wreckage of the former Real Housewives or whatever the hell that show was? Yeah. Joe and Joe ain't afraid of side boob, ladies and gentlemen. And if you let him do his own devices, he'll shower with your daughter up until she's about 40. That's a hell of a thing right there. Say no to Creepy Joe. That's a great Hall uh, Halloween costume. Halloween's coming. We're going to have a costume party. I'm going to come dressed up as I don't know what. That's a good one, though. I mean, I want Joe to tickle my ear. I want Joe, you know, to start squeezing me. Joe, I feel bad. Does Joe only do it to dudes, or is he an equal opportunity fondler? I don't know. What are you going to do? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got last thing. So the other day I was playing golf, and a friend of mine, actually a very close friend of mine, did what most people do. Hey, I was with one of your people, Jim Jordan, and I'm on a golf team. I don't know who Jim Jordan is. I, I, I was thinking, who's Jim Jordan? I mean, I know, you know. I go, who's Jim Jordan? I go, what are you talking about? One of your far right guys. 
Oh, you mean the senator? Yeah. Or the rep? Yeah. And I didn't say nothing because I like the person that said it to me. But it is amazing to me. If you are not a liberal, you always get called a name. I'm not far right. I'm not some right. I'm not some left. I'm just a guy that's going to read and tell you what I think. If the president of the United States kept gas prices down, kept us out of war, the stock market up, closed the border, and he was a Democrat, I'd say he's doing great. What can I tell you? But we have a blank show. But it is amazing to me. Even family members will do that. Even family members will say, hey, you're far right. I don't think I've ever called anybody far anything. Nothing. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you all for being here. We got to hit the like button. Tell your friends. Tweet it out. This show, I was trying to watch morning TV. I'm watching that new show, Chris Canty, some dude named Evan Cohen and some blonde girl. The blonde girl never talks. Cohen talks like we're supposed to give a rat's ass about who he is. Canty yells at us. And the girl stands there looking like, I don't know, a stereotypical blonde girl. Now, I heard the woman is great. She worked with a friend of mine named Kent Sterling. Which, by the way, 1 o'clock today, 1 o'clock today, Kent and I are going to do two big brains. Jonathan Taylor is back in practice. But I'm watching this show, and then I'm like, okay, that's no good. I turn on that ridiculous Good Morning Football program, and that's no good. I don't know what to tell you. I like Carton. He's fine, so that's where I go. But damn. Jeez. All right. Hey, Katie, thank you. Hey, Haley, you're awesome. Hey, Beth the Booker, can't thank you enough. Dylan and Ryan, there it is. Yeah, I'm pissed. Hey, you know what I'm doing today? True story, I'm taking the day off. Yeah, it's going to rain like crazy. So I'm going to catch up on, I'm going to clean the house. I'm going to take my shirt off, walk around. I'm going to whoop some ass just because on the golf course tomorrow, but not today. Hey, Aaron, thanks. Gary, thanks. Dinner with my mother went great last night. Thanks for asking. See you tomorrow. I got to go to the bathroom bad. I need a diaper. Can anybody send me some extra large Depends? See you tomorrow.